Hello, I'm Rachel England and welcome to Brain Yapping, the podcast where comedian and actual qualified neuroscientist Dr. Dean Burnett gets put through his paces with brain-related questions by me, not a neuroscientist, without any advance warning or prior preparation, in a bid to demonstrate that science isn't always as slick as it seems. Okay. Hello, uh, bringing up in episode three. Hello, Rachel. Hello, Dean. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we haven't spoken for a little while again. Uh, status report? Um, fine. I did a Kaylee last weekend. That's that's good. That's, that's, is that is that typical Rachel weekend behaviour? No, first time I've ever done a Kaylee, and let me tell you, it is exhausting. Looks it. So I've never bothered. Um, <laughs> I was sad. It was at a wedding, obviously, and um, in Scotland, evidently. And they made this big sort of fuss about there's going to be a Kaylee and don't worry if you don't know the steps and we'll talk you through it. And it was it was honestly like herding cats, just a bunch of drunk people mm. from England and a lot from London who thought it was ever so tween and quaint and just barraging into each other like billiard balls. And so we eventually all cleared off the dance floor and let the actual like legit elder Scots do it. And it's an art form. Mm. I, don't, I don't doubt that. Um, I was sort of bit of vibe towards Kaylee's purely because I did Green Man Festival once, the comedy stage, but before it was proper. It might have been the year after that the comedy part of Green Man became a thing. This was just like uh, there was a cabaret stage outdoors and for an hour there was some comedy on it and I was one of the acts this time. And I'm not, I don't do festivals at the best of times. I'm not a festival goer. I didn't realise how muddy it was, how you know, how weather dependent it is. I, oh dear! I, really, I really resented being charged seven pounds for a burger. This was, I was not in the best of moods. So we had the the cabaret tent. It was before us was some singer, which I thought, right. So there's like five of us, ten minutes each for some uh, MC. Good. Well, I'll do my ten minutes and then go home again. That'll, that'll be nice. And just as the previous guy finished, somebody else goes, "Oh no, actually, we're having a Kaylee now." And they had like a forty minute Kaylee in the middle of this field and they turned it to mud. <laughs> like an impromptu Kaylee. What, what the hell? Let's have a Kaylee while we're all here. I wish, but as soon as it finished, it started raining. So, so, so yeah, I have a bit of a negative association Bar-bug. with Kayleys and festivals. Spontaneous fun. Yeah. Not on my watch. <laughs> not, not, well, it was on my schedule. I wanted to go home. I, I was wet. It's I was too cold. muddy and I'm yeah. cold and this burger's expensive. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of healing crystal vibe as well, sure. which obviously put my back up to, yeah. to start with because I'm not from that sort of... Uh, ideology, no. uh, as this podcast should attest to. I uh, have been thinking a lot since we last spoke about um, the previous revelation of the whole Clippy thing. That's been preying on my mind a lot because <laughs> it's one of those threads I just couldn't let go of. We said, we said like Clippy was the first virtual assistant. Yeah. Why doesn't he get the acknowledgement or kudos that you would think something would get for forging that path? And sort of a few possibilities. Like, is it because it was from Word and that's too limited? He was like a Word ninety seven program, and like that's a very limited scope there. It was ninety seven, and therefore you know, we weren't used to having technology interfere with our lives so much. We weren't used to relying on it so much. Like in the day of smartphone and apps, everything is done online now. This is pre broadband days. But one possibility I thought of is that if you look at all the modern virtual assistants, Alexa, as uh, a Siri, Cortana from Microsoft, they're all the default female. Right. And so, like, when it's something which you sort of tell it what to do, it does everything, but it's also very submissive. Yeah. In a female form, that's something we seem to like as yeah. a society. 
Clippy sort of just interjected randomly and said, I don't know, I don't know who you're doing, but I can do better than you. So Clippy was actually the first mansplainer. Yes, that's exactly and, what I was going to say. Yeah, Clippy he was, was male, the wasn't he? Yeah. original mansplainer. And I think the reason that people took such umbrage with him is because he was trying to constantly explain to you what hmm. you were doing was wrong. Yeah. Whereas the likes of Alexa and Siri, you ask them. Hmm. They don't They don't butt in telling you what mm. to do oh looks like looks like you're trying to make some pasta can yeah. i help you with that you looks cretin like, can't believe you can't do this looks like you're trying to turn your lights on fucking hell here you go look at <laughs> yeah. you try yeah <laughs> you... i'll just do it for you shall i <laughs> so yeah right. i wonder if there's a sort of uh very, he was the original mansplainer yeah, but then there's there's a lot to be said now because I, i've read no end of reports um of sat navs mm. and uh typically programmed voices female mm. And if it's not, if it's male, um, people, well, I say people, men, um, will actually make a concerted effort to switch it back because they don't like being told what to do by yes, a Yes, that's definitely the case. And I actually did uh, have the pleasure once of driving to Swansea from Cardiff with uh, three other male comics in the car with my sat-nav on telling me where to go. This gig I've never been to before. The two guys in the back who, I won't say they're bad people, but they were enjoying the, the Clarkson-esque banter between Bants, them. Lads, Bants, lads, lads, lads. And so this... Tatnav kept saying that the roundabout to turn and take the first exit in a female voice. And they've been there before. Saying, oh, it's not that way, is it? Oh, God, bloody women can't do oh. all that sort of thing. And like, I, I was rapidly losing patience with it. One of them said, I bet she's only a beard or something. Or I bet she's a... And then said, Dean, well, why do you think she's giving the wrong directions? I think, Probably because it's a cheap plastic box. It's not actually a woman. What's <laughs> yeah. the matter with you? Let's, but let's I did, not overthink this. Yes, I said, it's clearly not a woman. What's the matter with you guys? Yeah. What do you think is that? An actual female <laughs> in the tiny plastic oh, box? Oh, that's, oh, I just realised that's the closest they ever got to one, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I feel sad. It's the most that. conversation they've ever had from a woman. I don't feel bad, but I feel sad for them. I feel sad for the box. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so what am I going to try and endeavour to explain this week? Today's topic. Hmm. And I know it's something you've written on something similar this right. time of year. Okay. Uh, autumnal. Right. But I'm looking at it with a slightly different angle this mm-hmm. time. Why am I such a scaredy cat? <laughs> okay. I need some context here. That's, sure. That's quite a... By which I mean everything makes me jump. Right. Loud noises, the sudden appearance of somebody in a doorway, somebody flicking a light on unexpectedly. I I can't take it. My heart feels like it's going <laughs> to jump out okay. of my chest. Uh, if I'm, say, in the kitchen and my partner just sort of comes in unannounced and I turn around and he's suddenly there, hmm. I'll just lose it. <laughs> I get absolutely berserk. I can't, like, honestly, I feel, I physically feel like I'm about to die. And then once All that right. burst of adrenaline has dissipated... Hmm. Um, I'm just furious at him, and he's done nothing wrong. He's just <laughs> existing in his house, and I'm I'm angry at him. What the hell are you doing? And he's like, "Hello, I'm sorry," you know. Right. Or if somebody sneaks up behind me, you know, it's sometimes I feel like I might actually physically lash out and hit mm. them. Um, and I get that that's you know sort of the fight or flight response kicking in. Mm-hmm. But my question is, why am I so affected by it when there are other people who? are completely unfazed by that sort of thing. They're not They're not anywhere near as jumpy as I am. Yeah, it, it is very much, uh, you know, a personal difference thing there because I've had the opposite a lot of the time in that. I used to live in a house of guys who were sort of vaguely prankster-ish and I was cooking the kitchen once, someone snuck in and put an ice cube on my back and uh, I somehow didn't flinch. Oh, my god! Because I thought I was constantly braced for it. I was, oh, that, that's today's thing, is it? 
And then it actually quite annoyed them. They said, why, why aren't you reacting? So I'm just dead inside. <laughs> that can't be good if you're kind of constantly in this heightened state of yeah, awareness. That, that is a recipe for like a short, a shorter lifespan. Well, really. yeah, that's gonna yeah. that's gonna not do your heart any favor, yeah. surely. Well, again, I guess your sort of uh, experience would be informative of this. How long have you been like this? Has it been this all your life? Has it been a default state for you, or? Yeah, pretty much. Although I'd say that maybe I've become slightly jumpier since I've gotten older, even. Mm. Um, I can't think of any specific incidences that would sort of have caused this in terms mm. of like yeah. post-traumatic stress. Yeah, I'm not trying to diagnose you with PTSD here. No. That would be quite uh, you know, too many balloons in a kid childhood and suddenly <laughs> you can't but even leave the house. I am just naturally jumpy. And I see a lot of my friends, for example, they really like... Um, you know, horror films that have got jump scares mm. in them. Oh, I've got no time for that. And I just can't, I can't cope with them. Honestly, they, I feel upset in the anticipation of there being something that's going to make me jump. Mm. It's, it stresses yeah. me out. I get that as well in the terms of I don't enjoy horror films. I don't think I'm necessarily scared of them. I do find them a bit unsettling and I do find that, that reaction, but I gain no pleasure from it. Some people really like that yeah. adrenaline rush and the whole... Also, other thing, you know, the excitation transfer and so on. But I've never had that. It's like, this is just unpleasant. This so is... what's excitation transfer? Excitation transfer is the theory as to why we enjoy being scared. We enjoy things which, you know, on a, on a fundamental level, we feel like could kill us. So, do we? Uh, well, who who does? Because I bloody well do. No, no, but people do bungee jump. People do extreme sports. People go to see horror films and mm. read about serial killers. And yeah. like the Saw franchise is incredibly popular. I've never got my head around that because I don't like to see other people being eviscerated. That's not really sure. a thing of mine. And I've seen it. You know, I've used to work with cadavers and cut them up, and so I've seen it in the you know, posthumous sense. In the literal flesh. Yes, as I have. And it's it's not enjoyable. You know, that wasn't the highlight of my day whenever that used to happen. But it is something which, so the argument is that when you experience something what you perceive as being a threat, as dangerous, it obviously kicks off the fight or flight response. Mm. But there's no actual outlet for it, really. So it lingers for a while because the adrenaline rush surges through your system for a good 20 minutes, 30 minutes, depends on how intense it is. So when you're in that state everything else becomes a lot more stimulating because you're when you have the flight or flight response neurologically like your focus is suddenly a lot more direct like your sensations your senses are heightened because you're wary of danger and things happening but that means everything else you experience is in that similar state so if you see a horror film and get really scared afterwards you have like a biscuit it's like that's a really good biscuit all of a sudden because you've got the the full like surround sound but it's not surround it's the most intense biscuit (laughs) you've ever had the the, the audio aspect of biscuits isn't really the major selling point is i don't know what was sound first but thinking of cinemas and stuff yeah so it's idea it it heightens your senses and everything becomes more visceral as a response more salient right so that's one argument as to why we enjoy that the one i tend to focus on more is the whole you get a pleasure response when your brain recognises anything that's beneficial. So if you're in a heightened state where you're scared for your life, and then like five minutes later you're still alive, it's like that primitive part of your brain going, okay, that was really dangerous, but you're not dead now, so whatever you did, <laughs> good, do that again, have some rewards. <laughs> it's like a really oh. weird form of self-validation. Essentially, yeah, that's pretty much a lot of uh, the human condition, isn't that? Just like, I could yeah, have died, it, but I didn't, so I'm doing good humaning. Yeah, well, technically you are. I mean, any species which doesn't die on a regular basis is probably doing okay. But so what, what is it that differentiates then, say, people that are all about the jump scares hmm. and love that sort of thing, hmm. and people like myself who 
just want to just like curl up on the floor and cry when yeah. that happens. What is the difference? Um, well, there is a genetic factor, it seems, according to some of the things I've read, in that some people have fewer receptors than normal, the gene for receptors in the reward pathway. And a lot of these people are represented in thrill-seeking groups. And you know, the people who are recognized as thrill-seekers or sensation-seekers, they have lower levels of receptors in the reward pathway. So the logic would be that they need more stimulation to feel what we would consider standard levels of excitement and pleasure. Okay. So you throw yourself off a cliff and you get the same buzz, the same thrill, like you and I would get from a decent episode of Casualty or something. Getting out of a chair too quickly. <laughs> oh, that, that is nice, though. That's, that's a real rush at this age. Oh, that Why do good. drugs? Just stand yeah. up unexpectedly. Yeah. Really fast as well. Like, oh, yeah. hey, your blood's still sat in the chair somewhere. Like, hey, wait for me. <laughs> so, hey, cool. So this genetic factor. Um, it's also the threat detection system in the brain. I think it's a link between amygdala, periaptical gray, and hippocampus. I mean, these words mean nothing to many people, but that's... They're all parts of the brain. Yeah, which form this threat detection system in that. Same as the pleasure thing is monitoring what's going on in the brain, what you're experiencing, and says, well, anything that's beneficial, you have some pleasure. The threat detection system does a similar thing, which says anything that's dangerous or could be dangerous, activate the fight-or-flight response, or... The stress system, which is a precursor. So stress comes from like a, the cortisol that causes like the, the physical symptoms of fight or flight or the buildup of, you know, your muscles tense, your heart rate goes up, your, uh, your focus is narrow. I know you, things are shut down as well. Like the peripheral stuff, which you don't need to survive mm. on a second to second basis gets shut down. So you, you know, you're more cranky, you're more tense, you're more alert. These are all things which are caused by stress because the cortisol system is triggering all these parts of your brain and body. And I guess some people will have a more, uh, heightened threat detection system, a more sensitive one. So, like, it's really sensitive anyway. I read a interesting paper recently which said that the threat detection system is stimulated, albeit mildly, by triangles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're too pointy. Well, yeah, I think that is the, the argument in that if you think of evolving in the wild, yeah. anything which is a threat generally has points to it. So yeah. if you're like a small primitive creature... Bugs and spiky flowers and like spikes, teeth, talons, yeah. claws. These are all okay. spiky things. So, so by extension, then would that's why I hate kites? <laughs> do you think there's any credence to the idea that if you were to ask people a cross section of the population what their favourite shapes were, mm. thrill seekers might be more likely to say triangles than someone mm. like myself who would say something I don't know like mm. a circle a soft <laughs> nothing, safe yeah, circle no edges <laughs> no, no, no nothing surprising about a circle no corners only one side <laughs> we know we know Can't where it starts and where it ends and it just goes <laughs> round and round we say that um, my daughter's favourite shape is the triangle oh, watch out. but yeah but she's also quite a thrill seeker she will throw herself off steps at you and she will poke animals in the eye and stuff so yeah she that, that does back up your claim there that your, your oh. argument well, we only need two more instances of thrill seekers preferring yeah, yeah. triangles, and then it's science. That's definitely that's, that's how it's that's, done. That's, isn't that's it? significant. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, like individual differences will just vary, like how you've developed, how you formed, the things you're into. Like, I think it's a case of if you're also a little bit more sensitive of that anyway. Mm. Back to the whole thing you said last week about uh, acute aggression. Yes, you don't expose yourself to it, so you don't really become desensitized to it. So, like, if I don't like horror films, so I don't watch them. Mm. And therefore, if, I, if I'm in a situation where I end up watching one, I don't know how that would happen. If I'm weirdly kidnapped and they've got a very specific fetish, then they make me watch horror films. <laughs> then, uh, I, I don't you, know. you joke, but yeah. see, for me, that would actually be complete torture. So if, it, if that did happen, 
Like you would be far more sensitive to it because you've got no exposure to it before. Like you haven't become desensitized or immune to it. So how much? So we we mentioned exposure last week, and here we are talking about it again. If I were to give myself the ridiculous and horrific challenge of say watching a horror film every day or or every mm. few days, would that actually help me deal with them better? Would it potentially help me become less? Uh, Jumpy? Am I less likely to like clang my boyfriend on the head with a pan when he accidentally sneaks up on me if I'm watching horror films on the reg? I would argue, yeah, you probably are because I, I like the idea of talking about exposure every week until everyone's bored of it. Just a sort of real meta joke. But then I'm this head. is, this <laughs> is what we're doing. <laughs> Might edit that out and keep that for, <laughs> for a little further on the line. No, it, yeah, I'd say it would definitely would happen because the whole habituation thing. Like if you I say if the brain gets used to something enough, even mm. if it's quite intense, people can get used to electric shocks if they're predictable enough. Nothing okay. not unpredictable. Say if you're doing like at three o'clock every day and watch a horror film, you will become exposed and uh, sort of denatured to the whole ethos of it. It's obviously quite a set formula to jump scares and stuff like that. So mm. you think you recognize, oh, here's that tune again. Oh, the music's changed. That must mean it's jump scare. Oh, she's going to die. She's going to die. You know, people who watch horror films recognize all the tropes and all the and all the cliches, and you probably will pick up on that pretty quickly. Mm. And it, it does seem like people do get, like with drugs, like we said last time, they, you get used to a dose, you become tolerant of it, you get mm. to tolerate things, and then you need more to, to, be, to achieve the same level of stimulation from a previous thing, which was, you know, just new to you. So I guess it would happen with horror films too. And again, depends on kind of, like, there was like the whole jump scare psychological horror thing was like very much a 70s thing. And and then they went on to the whole gory special effects written stuff. And now there's like a mix of the two, I think. Mm-hmm. You can get both out there now. So, yeah, it depends what you watch. Depends. I guess it would sort of stop you becoming so jumpy. But again, it could be just the context of watching a film. If you're in your own house, maybe it'll heighten your, uh, your stress and stuff. Well... <laughs> I mean, my, my partner's big into horror films. Um, and he has tried a couple of times to get me to watch them with him, and I've mm. just straight up said no, because I, I know that it's something that would resonate with me for, mm. you know, far too long afterwards. It's just not it's yeah. just not worth the stress. But he does play um, some video games, uh, like Resident Evil. Mm. And I'm, I'm curious about this, because it's a video game. Mm. Essentially, he's entirely in control of what's happening i mean you know to an extent there are some yeah, yeah. jumpy out bits or whatever um, <clears throat> but even if he sat there playing this game in the middle of the day and i'm still you know i'm bimbling around in the background i'm not even sort of focused on it hmm. i'm still very on edge about it just knowing that it's happening just knowing that hmm. at any given point there could be a jump or a loud noise or something nasty on the screen. I'm still, even with all of those sort of softening um, measures, still hmm. massively on edge about it. Yeah. So I don't know. I I feel that I would have to... Well, I, 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 would, I would be worried about the sort of the, the psychological toll it would take on me <laughs> if I were to, say, watch a scary movie every day. But... I do feel like there is something that I need to do to sort of, like I said, lessen the jumpiness that I have because I am concerned that one day I'm going to actually hit someone or push yeah. someone down the stairs. Well, two concerns there in that the whole habituation thing is a gradual process. So, like, you'd have to watch, like, five or six and seven and then you'd slowly but surely, mm. hopefully, become in- inured to it. But in the short term afterwards, you'd probably be a lot worse because of the process of sensitization. Yeah. So if you've suddenly had a scare, you're suddenly in fight-or-flight mode as in you are... Or you're primed for it now. 
it happens like even basic creatures, like if you give them a small electric shock, they'll respond far more readily to anything, even like a small touch, they'll just flinch away from it. So if you were watching like a horror film and it's five minutes later, then your partner surprises you, it's like twice as likely to get a pan on the head <laughs> than done before. So that's, sure. you know, so how strong is the relationship? How uh, how thick is his skull? Yeah. <laughs> how heavy are your pans? Okay, uh, so many variables. Many variables to consider. That's, that's science for you. You've got to rule all this out. You got to... But it's, it's interesting you say that, obviously, it, it would take a little while to get to get used to it. I mean, mm. I, I don't know if there's any sort of similarities here, but with food that mm. I don't like. So I never used to like mushrooms or prawns or olives. Um, and now I love them. Simply because over time, I would just have a little bit every mm. time they were, it was available to me. You know, if there's somebody had some mushrooms on their plate or there was prawns at a buffet or something, mm. I just have a little bit over time. And, you know, what started with complete revulsion mm. sort of gradually gave way to, you know, ambivalence. And, and now I've actually got quite a taste for them. And I'm, I'm working now on blue cheese <laughs> which is proving to be more of a, a struggle yeah. because that stuff it's an intense stinks. stuff it's an intense experience isn't it all round um but i guess that's like a similar thing yeah yeah gradual systemic desensitization that's actually a, a genuine therapy for extreme phobias right it's because well the disgust response is really powerful in the, in the brain because it makes perfect sense evolutionary if you eat something that makes you sick the brain's going like don't don't eat that again that that wasn't good because you're going to die and that's it, bad it, humaning yeah. <laughs> so yeah so it is it's a, it's, a, it's a definite thing like the insular cortex has this strong role in the disgust system and it, I, the part i think is most frustrating for most people is that you can consume something all your life and really enjoy it like you like cream cakes or certain types of drink and stuff that one time it makes you sick yeah. and suddenly it's off limits like the yellow, yellow black tape goes up and no no more for you yeah uh, my friend Dave Steele you know Dave I've met him before I have yes, yes. and he uh, he used to like a bit of port and this is his own story I hope you won't mind me telling this but then he went to a drama club ball he went to and he drank a whole bottle oh. of an evening and was violently violently ill as a result of it and then for like several years afterwards even the mention of the word port, it's <laughs> even like driving through places with port in the name made him a little bit nauseous, like Newport. Although that does happen. I, mean, <laughs> I think that happens anyway, doesn't it? Yes, that's a... No, that's that's very true. Um, mm. As we mentioned at the very beginning of these series, I, I used to be just a really shit goth, <laughs> um, and and part of that aesthetic obviously involved drinking red wine. Okay, um, but I was only well fifteen or sixteen, mm. and uh, I have a very clear memory of going to a pub in Hay on Wine. Um, and, and this was sort of back in the days before everyone was very concerned about young people drinking and the attitudes, especially in rural parts, mm. were just like, well, you know, it's better that they're in the pub than I don't know, knocking cows over or whatever. Um, and I drank so much red wine that I was violently, violently sick on the town bench where the jester <laughs> plays the accordion in summer. Oh, and I mean, violently sick. <laughs> nose projectile just like I, tears I, I really should laugh at this discomfort of yours but I, it just because you said that in my head the jester was there at the time oh no like the jester <laughs> wanted to like sick bomb the jester as he was chiefly playing his accordion trying to, trying to play a accordion whilst, front, be, whilst being vomited on by a goth horrified holiday makers <laughs> down for hay festival that is a lovely image I mean that that is sort of that's my a, personal brand yeah that's a postcard right there surely <laughs> but that isn't what happened it was it was night time and the, right. the jester no it wasn't there but the bench still is, and so every time I go back home to visit my folks and we go on a day trip to Hellmire, I see this bench and I feel physically mm. unwell. But also, I still have this, I mean, this is, well, 18 years ago maybe, and even now red wine, the smell of it, 
makes my stomach turn. Oh, yeah, it's a really, really powerful response. Like, if something gives you food poisoning, then that's like, that stuff's gone then. Yeah. And it's off the list. It's like, it's like deleted from the files. So that is not going to pass in your mouth. Even if it's something you love, like, say, if it's like cream cake, and then one day you eat a bit of cream cake and the cream has turned and you just start vomiting violently for. This is lovely for anyone listening, isn't it? It's constant. <laughs> Hope you not have any dinner. <laughs> talk of. Yeah, so, you know, that is a, that's a thing that happens. But with the phobia thing, back to the whole people who are rationally afraid of stuff. Example, like you in the lectures used to do was arachnophobia, like one of the most, Ugh. you know, you have that too. Yeah, I've got, I've got everything, Dean. <laughs> yeah, Everything's these, wrong yeah. with me. Well, it's like the you know, systematic desensitization. Like I explained before, like you can't just show them a spider and not be, and not be hurt by it because the fight or flight response kicks in violently. Yeah. The brain remembers that. It's like, saw a spider, freaked out, therefore spiders are dangerous. So like, sort right. of, it keeps reinforcing. So you've got to present them, let them interact with a spider in a mild enough way that it doesn't set off that response. Sure. So say someone's a violent arachnophobe. I mean, violently arachnophobic, not some sort of like <laughs> huge thug with a, the problem with spiders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the word for like somebody that sort of like, just kills spiders? Spider-side. <laughs> Arachnocide, really? Yeah, I mean, okay, I, I, I guess that makes sense. Um, yeah, just like a furious... Arachnocide, just <laughs> just out there on a crusade against them, just killing them in the most vile, disgusting, violent ways. <laughs> Spider side, Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are serious arachnophobic, so they put them in the room and then they show them like a picture of a spider on some paper. Right. And then, oh, that's fair enough, you know. And then next time, let them have like a small rubber spider. Yeah. And then they show them like a video of a spider, and then they show them like a photo of a tarantula. And then show them like a spider in a little box, a little spider in a little box. Okay, and then, yeah. And they work up to. Yeah, slowly then they see a tarantula in a box later on. And then by the end of the thing, they're just juggling tarantulas. <laughs> they're just, just bathing in tarantulas. <laughs> <laughs> sure, okay. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the theory. I'm, I'm sure it certainly can work for some people. I'm not sure it works for everyone. So the same thing would probably happen with food as well. Like, so you have a little bit of mushroom in your casserole or mm. rice dish or whatever it is. Like, it's negligible. There's not, not enough to notice that's a mushroom. And then slowly but surely you can build up to that. Yeah. So I guess you, the same thing could happen with your jump scare things. And if you if you could get your partner to stand in, in the doorway and then two inches... I am entering the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I acknowledge yeah. that you are entering the room. Yeah. Well, make him back up like a truck. Beep, 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 beep. Just coming up behind you. Put a bell on him. Yes, yeah, like a, cat. a bell. Yeah. You would suit a little I bell. Think, yeah, I you? think you could pull that off. Um, I mean, look, I mean, he could, he's got a possible thumbs. That's entirely possible. But actually talking about um, arachnophobia and not, in fact, spider-side, which in my mind would be a great name for sort of like a, mm. a Scandinavian black metal, metal yeah. band. I'm sure spider-side will be in the Marvel Universe within six months. Yeah. I had an episode this morning which combined my hatred of jump scares with my dislike of spiders mm. when I was sat at my desk. Because it's spider season now. And mm. I tell you what, we're, we're talking about exposure therapy. If mm. you've got a problem with spiders, don't be on bloody Facebook because there's a huge trend at the moment for people to catch these whopping great house spiders, take a big close-up disgusting photo of them and then mm. smash it all over social media going, look what I caught today. And I'm like, oh God, I don't want to see that. But this morning, so I sat at my desk and I could hear it. I could actually hear it on the carpet, just kind of... And I was like, oh, God. And my spider sense tingling again, the whole fight or flight thing. Mm. Like, my heckles were up. Like, oh, God, it's in here. And even though I knew it was in here somewhere, it just suddenly appeared. And I was still surprised. And it went across the carpet. And even though I was kind of expecting it, I went, ah, mm. jumped up, 
spill my mug of tea on my lap, hot tea. <laughs> then obviously I'm dancing around because I've just covered myself in boiling liquid. Managed to stand barefoot on an upturned plug. Oh, the best kind of Whereupon I then <laughs> fell into a wall. It was a, an actual comedy of farce. And I don't know where that bloody spider went. It's in there somewhere. So I guess I'm just going to have to move. <laughs> it's like it'll burn your house down. That's it. I, I wish point you'd have to move. So I guess uh, you were right the first time. It, yeah, it yeah. belongs to the spider now. <laughs> I love people who say that, they're like, my house belongs to the spider slash rat slash mouse now. But the whole thing they actually do mean that is I'm not going back in there until that thing's gone. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, they're, not, not, they're not kidding around a lot of the time. I will I will go out of the room, close the door and block that door up with a tea towel. Mm. You know, that is somebody else's problem now. <laughs> what spare room? This house doesn't have a spare room. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think one of the issues that I have with spiders actually does sort of tap into the jump scare thing I have. Because if you were to present a box now and say there's a, a clear box, there's a spider in it, and I'd be like, okay, that's gross. Don't make me touch it, but I can manage to look at it. Spiders traditionally are stealthy little ninja bastards, and you can walk into a room and be like, okay, here's a room, and there's carpet, clear, and there's nothing out of the ordinary, and then bam, suddenly it's just there. Mm. Hello, just on the on the floor, just in the middle of the room. The audacity of it. <laughs> And it's the shock, the shock of suddenly seeing it. So I wonder, actually, if my issue is not so much with the spider, but with the the jumpy association Mm. I have. The unpredictability of it. Yeah. That's actually, that's a known thing in that the human brain does not like uncertainty and unexpected things because something unexpected, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't brace myself for it. I can't brace myself for it. It could be a threat and I can't do anything about it. If or uncertainty is bad. Right. So, you know, when something surprises you, like, also in your home as well, it's a lot worse because I think I wrote about this, but your home is where you feel you're safest. That's the whole point of having a home yeah. at the most basic biological level. Yeah. Because it's a place where you can wander around and your brain goes, I know this place. I've been here many times and I've never died. Yeah. So again, good human in, solid human in, in this yeah. place. And it actually makes your threat detection system more alert, not, not in a sort of stressful way, but it means anything unexpected stands out a lot more. So it has a stronger reaction. So say if you're in a restaurant and you hear a glass smash, you know, you know cheer the waiter who dropped that or something. Or like, yeah. You know, clumsy swine, whoever that was. You don't really think much of it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas say if you're at home alone, you hear a glass smash, that that is like alarm oh, bells ringing. Climbing out the window, <laughs> yeah. Bye. Yeah, so I'll smash the window. I'll climb out of it, yeah. Two yeah. can play that game. Bang. Yeah. Crash, tinkle, and so on. So, you know, so you are suddenly, you know, anything unexpected is a lot more salient than, than it would be otherwise because sure. you're not used to it. So anything, if it's in your home, say if you're in like someone else's house or like a bar somewhere, or a spider, you're like, you, you won't be happy about it. Yeah. But it wouldn't necessarily ruin your day. Yeah. You don't think I'm never coming to this pub again. Well, you might, depending on how big a spider it was and say if the barman had thrown it at you. I'm <laughs> going, a violent <laughs> arachnophobe, isn't it? If I <laughs> got caught up in the brawl. Yeah. The spider gun. It's hosing people down. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, of course. And then, so when it's in your house, you're like, yeah. "This is my yeah. turf." Who the hell do you yeah. think you are? I'm meant to be safe here. You, you are fucking this up for me. Yeah, I'm not happy about this. Sure, but I'm not going to do about it. I'm going to leave. That's <laughs> so, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm furious and I'm going. Yeah, that, that makes you more angry and impotent because, like, oh, can't do about it because it's a spider and I'm not, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I get it. I had a jump scare in this in this cat when it's sat in my cabin now. By the way, my in one of my garden where I do all my stuff. Yeah. And. The the spider sense is tingling. I'm on edge now. <laughs> yeah. well, the last jump scare I had was in here. It was, it was a nice night. It was a nice autumnal night. So I had all the blinds up and like it was, family gone to bed early. I was just right in this. Oh, it's nice. I had the lights on in here. See the little moth fluttering against the window. Like, oh, this is nice and peaceful and twee. 
And then this almighty bang, like it was basically my cat, Pickle, <laughs> who had been allowed out of the house the first time that week, saying, hey, pray, <laughs> just yeah. slamming into took, the window. Took offence to them all. <laughs> yeah. Not so on my watch. It's nice, peaceful, tranquil. It was like, bang, clang, meow, clang. So yeah, that wasn't, wasn't the sound I was expecting to hear at any point in my life, if I'm honest. <laughs> you just started just clutching at your heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that was one of the first things about being an absolute psychopath. So, yeah, I don't know why you're particularly different. Uh, you know, you seem to have a higher than average threat detection system there. Are you more wary in your house? Well, you? you you mentioned then about things being unusual and mm. how um, it's, you know, out of the, the usual remit, kind of beyond your control. Mm. I am what the layman would call a control freak. Mm. You know, I like things to be done a certain way. I like things to be done my way. Mm. And <clears throat> I get very um, uneasy if things, you know, if we have a plan and it's not adhered to. Yeah. Or if definitely. we try and do anything without a plan. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely I'm on board of that. So is there a link there, do you think? you talking about things that are unusual cause your brain to go, what? This isn't right. This kind mm. of contravenes what should be happening. Um, and so when I see a bastard spider on the floor or dave sort of walks in and, and gives me a scare or whatever my because i'm so tightly wound usually anyway my brain mm. is going no unusual and that's why i because i'm yeah there's definitely mean that the whole locus of control thing like yeah. people, people have an internal or an external locus of control the idea that you the feeling that you are in control of your environment or you are at the mercy of it yeah it's not necessarily good or bad thing either way like Having an internal can be far more stressful, can be external can be far more stressful. But if you have a very potent locus of control, then anything which sort of challenges that will be more unpleasant for you. Right. And I think you mentioned about, you know, the whole video game thing. Yeah. Your partner's in control of that. You're not. You're also at complete mercy. It's still essentially random to you. Yeah. And I think you you do need an element of control before you start enjoying the, the jump scare things. Because... You know, people like they say they like horror films, like torture porn, whatever it is, or they like the, the whole psychological thrillers, or like looking at serial killers. Or mm. see people, again, some people get desensitized to it and then start looking up the more graphic things online and the, the snuff films and stuff. I mean, that's that's not happen to everyone, but it's 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 a thing. Mm. But it's always in a safe context. Like you always know that I am reading this book, I am watching this film. There's a part of your brain that's like, at any point, I could leave. I could yeah. turn this game off. I could leave this. I could pause this film. I could put this book down. Because imagine there's someone who was really into grisly murders and stuff. If they happened to wander down an alley and see a grisly murder happening, I doubt they would enjoy it. I think that. <laughs> no. They'd say, pull up, pull up a chain and some popcorn and say, oh, carry on, mate. Oh, this is cool. Look at the <laughs> yeah. effects. Oh, realistic splatter and everything. Yeah. That's not how you dismember a leg. Come on, boo. <laughs> Stop heckling the murderer. One star. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a Yelp review for a grisly murder. Worst murder ever. Yeah. So, yeah, so like even like extreme sports stuff, you know, you know people with skis or like, Bungee jump, it's still the knowledge that this is a artificial context. Mm. People who bungee jump probably won't throw themselves just off cliffs randomly. No. They trust the equipment, they trust the setup. Right. Otherwise, that's not thrill-seeking, that's suicidal, that's <laughs> lobbing yourself off a cliff for no reason. Yeah. So, yeah, so there is an element of control needed, and just like some need more than others. And you clearly like having like, some nice amount of control, and that's perfectly logical. And, you know, just because your partner's playing a violent video game doesn't mean you have to sacrifice that. So tell him to piss off. Yeah, <laughs> tell him to get in the shed with the spiders. Yeah. <laughs> You've got my locus of control now. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, actually, that was a very insightful chat. Dude. Oh, like, glad I, get I I feel like next time um, Dave sneaks up on me mm. and I lose it, I can say, hey, look, I'm not overreacting, okay? No. You're outside the locus in my control. Yeah. 
But of course, if he's concussed by this point, he might not remember that. So no. depends what sort of pan you're holding. But that might actually stop him from doing it again. Oh, yeah. Well, he'll learn <laughs> rapidly, yes. So, yeah, good. So, at the end of the day, domestic violence is okay <laughs> if they've started it. If I'm, yeah. yeah. If I'm jumpy. Yeah. If there's anything you can take from this podcast, <laughs> there are certain situations in which attacking your partner is fine. Do not infiltrate the locus of control. No. Great. Thank you very much, Dean. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, Dean here with some post-podcast admin. Uh, first things first, uh, obviously, uh, just because you've been startled, that is not an excuse to hit your partner with a frying pan or any other kitchen implement. Please don't do that. We do not condone such behaviour. But perhaps more scientifically valid, uh, because of the ad-libbed nature of this podcast, I've completely forgotten to mention the startle response. A very vital part of the whole thing we were discussing is that deeply ingrained reflex. It goes down to the brainstem. It's very old and established and present in many species. It's that thing that when you're surprised in a negative way, it makes you flinch and recoil like, like, like you do to protect vulnerable areas like the eyes and back of the neck you blink and flinch away from things and that's a big part of the whole jump scare thing it's like tapping into a very very deeply embedded instinct one we've had for eons essentially and that some people believe that is a sort of underpinning underlying part of many phobias it reinforces a negative association with something which is harmless because it surprised you um yeah so that essentially uh sorry about overlooking that but i'll put it in now if you want to hear more about uh, rachel uh, go to rachelengland.co.uk and myself it's deanbonnet.com uh, my books the idiot brain and the happy brain are available now wherever you tend to look uh so yeah thanks for listening i hope to catch you next time if you'd like to read the brain yapping blogs go to cosmicshambles.com forward slash blogs where you'll find brain yapping plus lots of other exclusive science blogs from the likes of helen chesky john butterworth susie gage Ginny smith and others if you enjoyed today's episode, please do share it on social media. Give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, as that does really help us out. If you'd like to support the show and everything we make at Cosmic Shambles, you can pledge via Patreon for as little as $1 a month. There's lots of great reward tiers available too. Go to patreon.com forward slash bookshambles or follow the links from cosmicshambles.com. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network.